passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Introducing Slapjack. T-Bar and Mace, they are known as Retribution. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Raw. I am J-Rock, joined by uh, Ting-Bar. We are <laughs> Review a Raw Tribution, and it was rotten. How are you? Um, I don't know how I feel after that, that show. Um... Almost Sometimes every- I, I don't know where we're going to come at different shows, but I am going to – this is going to be one of those shows where if you are one of those listeners that at the end of it get upset with sheer negativity, this is not the show for you. I appreciate the download. I appreciate – if you've ever listened to this show, this is not the one for you. This might have been the worst Raw of the year, and I thought this was a terrible three-hour show. That is my – uh, opening statement about Raw tonight. So you make the choice, but there's not going to be a lot of positivity in this review. But maybe Way had a very different approach to Raw. I doubt it, but maybe. Well, we shall find out. Um, uh, I I don't know how long this review is going to be because I could I I was probably pretty speechless for most of this viewing. I have to say. Did you know there's a pay per view on Sunday? They could not have done a better job of making me want to do anything but watch this show on Sunday. Yeah, no, I mean, if you wanted to, let's we can bail on it because I I don't know how many how many people would really care. Well, we will find out. How was your weekend, way? Uh, it was okay. I mean, really, it just consisted of the G one um, and staying at home pretty much the entire weekend. Uh, I did mention this on Rewind to SmackDown for our patrons and for people who I guess on the free feed who didn't hear it. Uh, so in Toronto and in Ontario, we have this thing called the COVID alert app, which basically tells you if over the past 14 days, somebody that you've been in the vicinity of, I think it's like something like six to 10 feet around. Um, if they ended up testing positive for COVID-19, they receive a code and they would enter it in their app and it would alert basically everybody that they've been in contact with for more than 15 minutes um, in between six to 10 feet, I think over the past 14 days, I unfortunately got one of these alerts. And so, um, got tested on Friday 
and then got my results today and I'm negative. Thank goodness. Um, more like I was honestly not that concerned for myself. It's more so all the people that I would have to tell afterwards. You know, it's that whole thing. So mm-hmm. I, I pretty much just spent the, the entire weekend at home just waiting for the results, doing the G1, of course. And then, um, yeah, got the message this today. Well, I was uh, one of the people that Wei had seen during this time. So I, I was not too concerned. But the thing was, last week, uh, you would you would come over on, what was it, the Saturday? Saturday, I think so, yeah. The next day, like, I was just exhausted. And I just kind of, like, chucked it off to, like, just being tired. But it persisted throughout the week to the point that on the Tuesday or Wednesday, my wife was starting to say, like, you seem much more tired than normal. Maybe you should go get tested. And I was like, uh, I could just be tired. I had no other symptoms than that. And I just decided, I think I'm just overtired. And then you alerted to me to this on Friday. And at that point, I said, okay, I should definitely get tested because I was already thinking about it this week. And I should definitely do this at this point. So I went on the Friday as well. Uh, and I got you my did? result. I, I did, Way. I went on Friday and got tested. And wow. unlike you, I was not given the throat swab. I got the, I got the hurt locker. I got the, <laughs> the stick up my nose, which was well until tonight the most painful thing I had to endure. I think that's your attribution uh, name, Q-tip. That's what we call Q-tip. you. Q-tip, yes, with two P's. Uh, the most uncomfortable fifteen seconds you're gonna undergo, but nonetheless, it was more so just the long wait. I had a two and a half hour wait outside. Uh, until getting into this, which I was told was actually faster than most lines. Had I come earlier in the day, they told me you were looking at a four-hour wait outside. So anyway, I got my result back. I was negative as well. So Wei and I are, uh, we are COVID-free, thankfully. COVID-free, ready to take on the entire wrestling world and everything that it has to offer. And that, of course, includes it during this time, the G1. Of course, it, it, it it's such a weird transition, John, talking about like, Ishii and Suzuki to this edition of Raw we're about to talk about. But, I mean, such is the very colorful, varied world of wrestling, isn't it? Can you imagine Minoru Suzuki just wanting to check that off his list of, hey, I, I fought in Pancrase, I I was involved in, like, so many companies, but never WWE. Why don't I go do two years in WWE? Could you imagine... I think they would make him chopstick in retribution. Do you think he would have been the shark that ate Tozawa tonight? Oh, could be that too. Yeah. I think everybody like needs a retribution name now. That's like that's going to be the new thing. Oh, the name generator has oh, to yeah. be created this week. The retribution name generator. <laughs> yes. All of that to come. But uh, I do want to... Um, Thank all the people that have signed up for the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, We've had uh, a surge, so to speak. The only good surge you can have during a pandemic, uh, and that is uh, new members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So welcome to all of our new listeners on the cafe. We are two shows deep and many more to go. Coming up this week, we will have G1 shows Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Uh, Sunday being a show that Way and Mike Murray will tackle. It's a loaded A-block show. Uh, but we have we have lots of shows on the site this week. Uh, we don't have to go through all of them, but way any highlights you want to point to? 
Oh, this week? Uh, well, G1 coverage picks up again with an A-Block show starting on Wednesday. Of course, that is all for Cafe patrons. But even before that, tomorrow, John and I are back with an edition of Ask Away exclusively on the Post Wrestling Cafe where we answer all of your questions. And I believe it's a very, very deep bag. So uh, we'll get to Ooh. all that uh, sometime tomorrow afternoon. Uh, G1 shows again, like I mentioned, Wednesday and Thursday. Rewind to SmackDown on Friday. So basically uh, five Five, if you include uh, Sunday's G1 show, five Post Wrestling Cafe exclusives this week. Woo! Man, a loaded week at the Post Wrestling Cafe. Also this week, the debut of Bushby and Thompson's wrestling adventure. That will drop Thursday, and they are going to be chatting WrestleMania 19 on this show from 2003 with their guest, Nate Milton. So look out for that on Thursday Saturday night, we have a UFC 253 post show with myself and Phil. We'll be going live on YouTube right after the main event. And then Sunday night, if we make it, Clash of Champions post show. Way and I will be live for our double-double ice cap and espresso members of the cafe. Uh, the perfect way to cap off uh, the week with Clash of Champions. It really is the main event. Uh, but, you know, as we mentioned that, I believe Braden and Davey, or at least uh, the up next YouTube, will definitely be... I would imagine doing a live watch along. So watch them at youtube.com slash up next. And also on their feed this week, along with their edition of up next on Wednesday, uh, I'm sure they'll have plenty of other stuff. I'm trying to look at like, I don't Dude, actually. This have... Our schedule this week is intense. Yeah. Uh, you can go get the whole schedule up on the website. I have it posted there uh, where you can follow along. Lots of shows. It is mega overdrive with G1 season in full effect. So there will be some days with multiple shows coming out. Hopefully everyone can keep up. But if not, that's why you've got that that's why you can go back and listen. Pick or and listen whenever you choose, pick and choose. There's no mandate to listen to all of them. Although it is proven that if you listen to all of our shows, you are in fact a better person. Oh yeah. Without that's a doubt. proven. Yeah. Okay. So that's just a, a little bit of what is uh, coming up this week. And let's move on to some news items. We're gonna start off with some WWE news, uh, this coming uh, courtesy of a report from uh, Sean Ross Sapp at Fightful Select, who reported on Monday night about several positive COVID tests uh, in NXT uh, that happened uh, two weeks ago. This would have been coming out of their last uh, set of uh, NXT tapings uh, that I guess caused them to have to be as... Fightful described it uh, very conservative when it came to uh, planning out a lot. They are set to do, do tapings this Wednesday. And uh, from what I understood, like they will have testing on Tuesday and then hopefully um, they will be able to be at as close to full strength as possible for, for Wednesday. But obviously that's pending uh, everyone testing and, and being okay. Uh, we don't know any names uh, specific other than, you know, several classes at the PC had been canceled as a result of this, and John Elba over at Spectrum Sports added that, uh, according to multiple sources, there was a COVID-19 outbreak within NXT recently. Uh, he goes on to say, sources indicated that some have gotten relaxed with mask wearing, especially in spots where some people congregate, and there was concern over that. I am told that people were still testing positive as recently as this weekend, with the belief being a coach accidentally spread it. And, I mean, if that was the case of people testing positive, those people would not be figured into tapings uh, so quickly, I, I would imagine, unless they somehow passed a test that quickly. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's really hard to know from the outside looking in and it's honestly one of those things that they've really, some of them will be obvious depending on what absences I think are, don't, don't seem planned from last week, but others we may really not find out. And I don't expect any sort of public announcement unless some of these performers were to do it themselves, which I mean, um, given like sort of maybe I think uh, the precedent has been set that set that they do not want that to happen, especially um, if you're still like, you know, on the lower tier or like even a developmental talent, you're definitely keeping your mouth shut. Well, yes, and hopefully a mask on it. Oh, yes. Anyway, so we will uh, continue to to monitor that. But yeah, I, w- I wouldn't expect uh, unless they were in such a position that they had to respond that WWE is going to be uh, offering up any uh, discussion on, on that or. We will see. Maybe they they would address it if if necessary. But that is ahead of Wednesday. Uh, CMLL is also uh, they're preparing for their anniversary card on Friday, which to me this feels like such a uh, for for the annual anniversary show. That's you know the big card of the year for this company. This being their eighty seventh anniversary special on Friday, uh, they've been hit with a uh, two positive COVID nineteen cases to. Uh, uh, to Princessa Suhe, who will not be on the show, uh, as well as uh, Yuvia. So both were set to challenge for uh, women's titles on the show. Uh, Yuvia was set to take on uh, La Metalika. So she is off the card. And I guess there has been uh, some concern because uh, her boyfriend, reportedly, uh, Ultimo Guerrero, he is still listed on this card. So I guess that is going to be something of concern if you know, she has tested positive, but, uh, so CMLL hit with at least two known, uh, COVID-19 cases, but, uh, moving ahead with this show on Friday night, Friday night, SmackDown. This is going to uh, be a regular like segment. I feel. Oh, the COVID update. Yeah. yeah. I feel it's almost been kind of quiet. Like you have to wonder like how many of these COVID cases, um, have not like an AJ Styles. Yep. Like would anyone have known about that if he had not disclosed it? Like, like the number that seems to be the the most consistent one out there for that that outbreak a couple of months back in WWE was pegged at thirty eight people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like it it is mind blowing to me that they went as long as they did w- until they introduced testing. No, it's honestly, um, t- uh, I don't think there's any defense for it, especially as late as they went. Like we're talking, like it wasn't until June that they were testing. Mm-hmm. So uh, SmackDown kind of uh, came back down to earth on Friday after last week's number that was their highest since April. Uh, they were down 12.5% this week, still over 2 million, 2 million, 37,000 viewers on Fox, uh, dropping to a 0. 0.5 in the 18 to 49 demo. They were going up uh, against a big NBA playoff game that almost did 5 million viewers. Uh, there was also a lot of news coverage with uh, the breaking news of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing that, that evening. So, uh, I think you could look at both of those as maybe having some kind of effect on SmackDown. Uh, but conversely, in Canada, uh, I have to pull it up here uh, to get their number. But f- first of all, just being downweight, do you look at this more so uh, the competition or uh, anything specific you look at with WWE? Because they've been riding a pretty good wave on SmackDown of late, but this is their lowest since introducing the Thunderdome. I imagine it would be a bit of everything. Uh, maybe the Thunderdome at this point is kind of worn off. It's novelty. Um, I mean, I think the Roman Reigns storyline is still incredibly hot. Uh, you had Sasha Banks and Bailey presence on the show. Those two things to me would suggest like 
you know, a maintained creative, at least, um, I don't know, interest in what's been going on thus far that might have lifted uh, ratings in the past. So I imagine it would be a combination of competition and maybe people just getting a little bit tired of or, or at least not feeling the urgency with this particular episode. Uh, in Canada, uh, SmackDown did 223,700 viewers. It was the fifth most watched sports broadcast in Canada on uh, Friday. There were there was a doubleheader of Jays games with the Philadelphia Phillies. Those were the top two, followed by the NBA game between the Nuggets and the Lakers and Blue Jays Central. So SmackDown finished fifth. Uh, also, main event that followed them did 80,000 viewers and finished in the top 10 of sports broadcasts in Canada. So uh, those are their numbers in Canada. And AEW announced on Monday the signing of Serena Deeb. So, I mean, AEW continues to be in signing mode. Does it surprise you just the number of signings that they have been announcing of late? Um, yes and no, but not so much in the women's division. You know, certainly it is the most criticized aspect of, of their promotion. And I think they definitely need more talent who uh, are veterans who have demonstrated an ability to just, you know, wrestle at a high enough level or comfortable enough on TV to, to be able to, to do it. Uh, she had a very good showing, of course, with Thunder Rosa a few weeks ago. And uh, I imagine she would bring a lot backstage as well with uh, her prior role at the Performance Center. So... Um, you know, I, I also, I also do wonder like what terms of some of these deals are, whether or not like, you know, are we, are these like full-time contracts or are they like per date exclusives? Like how much is known about these AEW contracts? I mean, the thing about AEW contracts is that there's different provisions for different performers. Like we know, like Joey Janela, for instance, like he's clearly allowed to do outside in the independent dates for game changer. I, I don't know like the, the specific language that some are able to work into their deals, but um, no, it sounds like when you're signing a contract, it means like you are part of the roster. It's not just, um, uh, but, but I don't know if it's, if it would just be per date or you're, you're just being paid uh, a salary. Mm. Um, we move on uh, big news from dragon gateway. And that was Masato Yoshino staving off retirement by winning the steel cage match. And the real, you know, there were 10,000 stipulations attached to this. But the biggest of all, Yamato did not have to straighten his hair. Why didn't you lead with that? I am questioning it right now. It was Big R Shimizu that uh, made it to the end and lost. And therefore... No more Big R Shimizu. He will now be wrestling under his real name of Ryotsu Shimizu. And uh, that, along with, with several other stipulations that um, we're ending up uh, going forward. Uh, but, the, but the big one here, I, I think that the fact that, uh, first of all, Masato Yoshino avoids retirement. But also, uh, Yamato's curly locks are, are, still, are still a thing in Dragon Gate. Um, I'm so completely lost about everything you, you had just said. Um, I think we should maybe do a live watch along of this match. So how many people were in the match? And, and really, Six. And everybody a, had a stipulation attached to it? Oh, yeah. It, it, there, there were like multiples for some. Like Yoshino. Okay, for instance, if, if Yoshino had lost, okay, he would have had to shave his head before having his retirement match right afterwards, a farewell match with Naruki Doi, who had wrestled earlier in the night. So like, we'd have to have a head. He would have had to... Retired. Immediately after this cage match, he would have had to have his farewell match with Naruki Doi with his head shaved. 
That's very specific. I mean, there's, you know, ha- shame the man into retirement as well with the loss of his hair. Yeah, this also featured uh, Ada, Kai, Yamato, BB Hulk, and then uh, Shimizu and Yoshino. So this is a uh, Dragon Gate's annual big six-way steel cage match with flags, stipulations, order of eliminations. I mean, this this had all the all all the prime principles you need for a big stipulation match. I'm. I thought this edition of Raw would be the craziest thing I'd be talking about. Maybe not. Uh, coming up th- this week, uh, just looking ahead to uh, the big shows, which are AEW. We've got two two dynamites coming up over the next two nights. Are you aware of this way? Yes, I am. Yes, we've got. I, I mean, really, two one and a half. Kind of one and a half. You're right. Three hours uh, of dynamite Tuesday's n- show, which is probably going to be super late because the NBA game doesn't start till nine, and then once the game ends, they're doing uh, inside the NBA. And then AEW will start. So we're probably looking at like 12.30, 1am. This thing is going to start on TNT and TSN here in Canada. But they've got Scorpio Sky and Ben Carter, Brandy Rhodes and Anna Jay, and Matt Seidel against Sean Spears with Jericho on commentary. I guess it's an experiment to see what kind of, um, what kind of the, like the NBA audience that will stick around for this. I, I am not too uh, bullish on this one being like a, people staying up this late and sticking around for this particular episode of dynamite that I would say, even like if you're a hardcore fan, you'll watch this, but I could see a lot of people looking at this lineup and they'll catch the highlights the next day or watch it the next day. But I I just don't know what you can expect where you can't even promote a time and it's going to be a really late start. It really does feel like an addition of dark that they're placing in this time slot. I'm actually a little disappointed. They wouldn't use um, that exposure in order to, perhaps at least put one more notable match in there with one of your more notable stars, perhaps one of the elite in there. Uh, but I guess they had to save a lot for the Wednesday too. Yeah. Wednesday, we've got John Moxley, Will Hobbs and Darby Allen against Lance Archer, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, Brody Lee against orange Cassidy for the TNT title, Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa against Ivelisse and Diamante and Jericho appearing. Yeah. Uh, and last thing here on the NXT front is they've announced all of the participants for the Gauntlet Eliminator. Bronson Reed, Kyle O'Reilly, Kushida, Cameron Grimes, and Timothy Thatcher. Winner takes on Finn Balor at TakeOver. Yeah, it looks pretty stacked, honestly. Um, I like get Kyle O'Reilly and Kushida together, potentially. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I like the way they rolled it out, actually, over the past week. You know, every day they announced a new name or one or two, two new names. And I think uh, progressively they... They just kind of, you know, made for what looks like a really good good match. Um, so I'm excited to see Timothy Thatcher. I'm excited to see Kyle O'Reilly and Kushida in there. Do you have a prediction? I mean, you have to look at this of like of the the grouping here of who could headline a takeover. I would assume Bronson Reed would be the clear favorite among people. Though selfishly, I would love a Finn Balor Kyle O'Reilly match. I wouldn't really like. You, if you want to tell that story, you can. It would be an opportunity like this. The fans Finn Balor and Kushida have a, have a history that you could, uh, you know, th- to me, like these network specials, you can take a lot more risks with who you're putting uh, onto these shows as opposed to like drawing on pay-per-view. Um, like, to be honest, like Bronson Reed is obviously the most pushed of these five, but, um, you know, th- you could have some fresh matches here. Um, 
And for Kyle O'Reilly, I mean, we, we've talked about what is the future of the Undisputed Era. Like, Kyle O'Reilly, assuming that leadership role, I think would be a great direction for him. I think he could pull it off and be a contrast to Adam Cole. And, yeah, I, I think you have some options here. But this should be a really entertaining match on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then they've got the battle, the women's battle royal to set up the female title challenger for takeover, and then Tommaso Ciampa against Jake Atlas. Those are our uh, matches for Wednesday night. All of your news can be found up at uh, postwrestling.com. Is there anything else, Way, you wanted to discuss before we get to Raw? Anything? This is kind of like your your last chance before we, we dive into the deep end. You know, let's get it over with. Stick the swab in my nose. Let's just go. Raw, everybody, from the Amway Center, the Thunderdome. Were they ready for tonight's show? Tom Phillips was because he was back. After two weeks gone, he was there with Byron Saxton, but no Samoa Joe. Instead, we had Jerry Lawler. Yeah, very interesting. Mm-hmm. We had uh, no explanation from Tom Phillips. He just uh, He just disappeared for two weeks, but now he's back. And Retribution enter the ring. And we have breaking news to start the show way. Retribution have signed WWE contracts. That seems to be like the most immediately. This was record time. This was 20 seconds into the show that I'm completely confused. This would be, this would appear to be the antithesis of what this group would want and what WWE would want and would continue to be, Pardon the pun, the bane of Retribution's existence is making money off of this company that they are clearly doing now. So this was a record. I mean, so they've they've only signed, I would assume, these, what, five? They wouldn't have signed it. Oh, wait, I thought they were all, like, performance center people. What's what's going on? Those contracts did not exist. Okay. Maybe they won, and maybe they got main roster deals. I think that's, maybe that's what they mean. Um, there, there was certainly a whole lot of story told in between the two episodes that we, uh, were not aware of at all. Uh, it really felt like we had missed like multiple chapters going from last week's edition of Raw right into this. But, um, dude, they didn't even build up the drama of revealing half these people. They just went ahead and just showed them for us tonight. Like there was no even build up to this. They just came out and it was like Mia Yim was barely uh, masked. Uh, the the assumption I, I get is is that they feel like these aren't recognizable names anyway. And a reveal of, you know, seeing a woman, woman with blue hair is not going to mean anything in their opinion to the average fan. Mia Yim says that the fighting continues and that the superstars are motivated by money. By, by the way, um, they're all wearing some form of a mask. As uh, John had alluded to, uh, Dijak, T-Bar, he, he's now got paint all over his eyes, like two red streaks across his eyes, and he's wearing a Bane mask, and he's talking like Bane. Mia yeah. Yim has like you know some sort of, like I mean, really, what looks like a face mask with a hole cut in the, in the mouth. Same with Mercedes Martinez. What is it? Slapjack has this hockey mask and, and Deal Madden has like another thing. So listen, at the These beginning, are the worst, the worst Halloween. Well, costumes. I mean, hey, at the beginning of this whole thing, like we were kind of joking that, oh, man, they're doing Antifa. It's this thing. I mean, 
you could tell you could like uh, maybe I'm looking too deep into it, but come on, guys coming out here all wearing masks. If this doesn't tell you all you need to know about what they're supposed to be representing, I thought this plainly spelt it to me. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. I, I think that this is so, um, I just, I just think like it's such a cartoon group, like more so than you would expect even from like a WWE style of presentation. Like this to me is so beyond anything you could take seriously. Like it really does feel way campier than even the dark order did. Absolutely. Oh my significant look, look at the names. Man. Oh, like the worst names you could come up with that instantly just scream mid card. Um yeah. It just screams to me like Nin- Nin- Ninja Turtles villain is what it screamed to me. Uh but I I I do feel like we're at some point like I'm I might just change, shift my mentality and start watching this like I'm watching, you know, like a BTE sketch. Like that's ultimately, I think, how somebody might be able to enjoy this is to not really take it as a serious type of invasion whatsoever, and just look at this as like sort of like a misfit, comedic, cartoonish group of like <laughs> a terrorist. Every single one of you is part of the sickness that is responsible for the infestation of this hellhole. <laughs> You collect your paydays like whores. (laughs) These guys have just signed contracts. The ink is barely dry on these deals for guaranteed downsides and merchandise uh, percentages. Yeah, they have. Well, we don't know for how much. trademark names. Well, maybe they're not making anything. Maybe they're low. They can't be offering them that much. This makes absolutely no sense that they have signed. From their perspective or from WWE's. And I know that, yes, we can have the who was it that signed them to these deals that can be revealed as their leader from within. But for their perspective, I mean, this just to me is this required a lot more thought. And it was just to me, you just zip through anything. And I I, I hazard to even uh, lament this fact because that would be assuming that this thing was not dead on arrival weeks ago. Well, the idea is that what they are performance center uh, performers or NXT performers who feel like they've been overlooked by people that, you know, uh, on the main roster, they've not been called up for whatever reason. They forcefully basically. Wait, we just saw Mia Yim on TV two weeks ago. Like she was on no, no, the no, USA no, no, Network. Oh, that's well, that's the problem. I mean, NXT is not the main roster and she's not Mia Yim. She she's doesn't have be, a name yet. She's going to be something else. She's going to be like, yo, uh, like Mamma Mia or something. Oh, dear. The Hurt Business walkout are baby faces for the night. And Retribution retreats. MVP says they're not so tough without weapons and calls them hoes and thought they would stop complaining after getting their contracts. They're wrong. So maybe this is the their commentary that even when you get what you want, you're still upset. Yeah, sure. They are going to get beat down. Then the extra Retribution members show up. Uh, they did not have a contract status update. And the Hurt Business attacks them. And it ends with a double chokeslam by... <laughs> I wrote down here Dijakovic and Madden, but I guess this was T-Bar and Mace chokeslamming BL uh, to the floor. 
or on the on the canvas. The mm-hmm. highlight of this segment was Lance Storm on Twitter. They fired my ass, but signed twenty people who were destroying equipment and actively sabotaging the show. I'd have thrown a Molotov cocktail had they asked. I think Lance Storm would be a great member of Retribution. Oh my god, he should have been Slapjack. Oh man, slap shot for slap shot. The right. Canadian, Canadian. Uh, tilt. The, the true thrill seeker. Yeah. Lance T. Storm. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, like, the, the other confusing thing about this entire episode is just what's going on with the Hurt Business. They are being portrayed as the, uh, you know, the opposition to retribution. The one thing keeping the WWE from co- completely collapsing. <laughs> and they are still, though, co- taking part in their regular storylines against... Apollo Crews and Ricochet, where they're all wrestling as total heels. So this constant back and forth of them starting off the show as babyfaces, then being heels for their storylines with Apollo and, and Ricochet, then finishing the show again as the biggest babyfaces on the show is completely, completely, completely confusing. I don't want to hear anybody give me their shades of gray bullshit after watching this show with the Hurt Business. This, this hurt something. It was my head. Not so much business, though I think it might have an impact on business. Philip says for the first of a million times that after signing their contracts, Retribution are now free to do anything they want whenever they want. Is that how contracts work? Uh, hey, uh, we've signed you. <laughs> have at it. <laughs> Here's rest, our office. Wrestling <laughs> Take contracts, a crowbar. Wrestling contracts, I think, are you don't have a great leeway um a lot of room for creativity as you just discussed in that dragon gate match john so i i wouldn't doubt that they had probably that exact phrasing you can do whatever you want nothing nothing says we are under attack than by our latest signings that we are now allowing in-house that we are going to pay to wreak havoc on our locker room well okay listen if you're wwe if you're adam pierce okay what do you what do you want like you know to constantly be on your toes or Probably probably wants a night off. This guy's on Raw and SmackDown every week. You know how much of a pain that's got to be? Uh, well, there's not that much travel. No travel, really. Gotta go through all this testing. No, thank you. Schreiber is with Ray and his family, who have just got a season's pass here to Amway Center. And they're going to go watch Dominic... Go for his first championship tonight because he's in a number one contenders match with his longtime friend and partner, his brother, his blood brother, Umberto Carrillo, teaming for the first time tonight. Ray says, it's incredible to watch this as a father. My son now getting part of nonsensical matches, just like I am. So we've got, this is the ultimate, what a tag match. Dominic and Umberto Carrillo in their debut match together against Seth Rollins and Murphy against Way's Tag Team of the Year, Andrade and Angel Garza. And we've got the Street Profits on commentary. Well, actually, I did not mind on commentary as opposed to times in the past. So we've got two teams that we all thought just broke up and a team that has never teamed together before competing for a tag title opportunity. Exactly. This is just like that, that gauntlet they did in AEW to set up the, the tag title challengers. It's it's amazing. Carrillo hit a suicide dive. Dominic hit a high cross as the Street Profits were cheering. Garza is thrown into Dominic, who is sent to the floor. This was so debilitating, we wouldn't see Dominic and Carrillo for the rest of the match. 
Murphy hits a V-trigger to Andrade, and then Murphy crawls to his corner, and Seth Rollins hops off the apron and leaves because he has a lot on his mind. We had just talked about the fact that Chris Jericho is done with this feud with Orange Cassidy. He is perceived as a main eventer. And what is this main eventer going to set his sights on? He wants the tag team titles. For Seth Rollins, he could not even care about winning these tag titles. This guy just wandered off, leaving Murphy for dead. And we got the wing clipper and Murphy was pinned in 525. Meaning that Andrade and Angel Garza, who showed no problems this week, are once again taking on the Street Profits. I swear to Christ, this match has been booked for your amusement way. I, I have negative interest to see this pairing again. I would like... What was the point of last yeah. week? What was the point of that angle? Clearly, they're in the middle of some sort of breakup. Um, when That's what we said in July oh, when I they know. were feuding. So when they were supposed to culminate in it and when they were actually supposed to break up, I imagine would was probably something that they've debated and perhaps changed several times. So you've had several false starts of this feud that already has completely, like, I think um, completely, I don't know, made, made its audience completely disinterested. Um, and now doing it again at the pay-per-view, this could be the launching off point, but I can tell you, even if it is going into the match, it's, it's not something I imagine anybody really looking forward to. And I'm, I mean, I'm probably including their own families, like their families are probably tired of watching this pairing. Shane McMahon is with Jordan. He's got a big fight tonight, Braun Strowman against Daba Kato, and he's going on the KO show to promote it because Shane knows you, you promote matches in advance. Jordan offers to come with him if he needs backup, but he says, no, it's okay. Just watch the door. I've got some surprises. This guy Jordan's going to snap one day. Um, on chain? This guy's got a very boring job. Stand here and watch the door. Retribution are standing in formation backstage, ready for their WWE-produced promo. <laughs> the Hurt Business could have been part of the solution, but they bent the knee and are now part of the problem. You line your pockets with WWE's money to pay for your suits. Whereas we now line our pockets to pay for this uh, goddamn grade five starter kit face paint and name generators. Our payment won't come in the form of money. Yes, it will. But with a match with you tonight. And you will pay in retribution. <laughs> Holy Christ. So yes, we've got identities revealed, names, and their first match all tonight. I'm not saying this would have been a big deal, but we've had like six weeks of these attacks. And we're getting their first in-ring appearance together as a unit on an hour and a half, two hours notice. I mean, maybe the contracts, you know, maybe he was telling the truth. Maybe they actually aren't getting paid and they're only getting paid in matches. I mean, they're, maybe they're communists. Okay. That could be a form of payment. Yeah. The Kevin Owens show. Owens said how him and Shane tried to kill each other for two years. They had a hell in a cell. <laughs> I got you fired, but you're back. It's just water under the bridge now. And he tells Shane to... Promote away. They definitely, like, tried to build up some form of unspoken dislike for one another, trying to respect their, you know, like, months-long feuds that, that they've had. And, um, 
This was it. Yeah. He, like they even mentioned, hey, I got you fired, but now you're back. Yep. <laughs> no explanation <laughs> whatsoever. Pretty like... much just laughed off the stipulation <laughs> that we uh, did last year. So yeah. Shane promotes Strowman and Dabakato, and they bring out Dabakato. And Owens talks about his fight with Alistair Black two weeks ago and Dabakato getting into his face. And Owens said that one day we are going to do this. And he slaps Dabakato. And Shane has to hold him back. When Braun Strowman comes out, they scream at each other. Shane is holding Braun and Dabakato away from one another. When Alistair Black appears, grabs Owens and breaks his balls against the post repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Shane is just standing there basically calling it. He he doesn't really care to stop it. No. No, no, no. This was uh just Kevin Owens, the uh the official, I don't know. I don't know what this did to him. I guess he's going to have something else wrapped up after Alistair Black has his eye wrapped up. Charlie found Drew McIntyre. One subtlety I enjoyed on the show was the level of frustration and annoyance displayed by Drew McIntyre with Charlie throughout the evening. This man did not want to talk to her, and she wanted multiple interviews with him. She asks about his fractured jaw if he's worried about it. He says, yes. Are you worried about your fractured friendship with Keith Lee? He knows Keith wants to be champion. One day they're going to laugh about this over drinks, but now they're going to go beat the hell out of each other. And those drinks are going to be on him. I thought this was actually a good appearance from Drew. One of the early, only good things thus far. This was 45 seconds. So keep that ratio in mind. Retribution attacked a bunch of geeks backstage, including Titus O'Neil and Umberto Carrillo, and T-Bar again called them part of the sickness. They are the judges, jury, and executioners. Should be a conflict of interest, but that is the roles that they hold. See, so, like, I'm just trying to think, like, you know, somebody, I guess, came up with this retribution storyline. They needed some sort of uh, leader and chose Dijak for the role and I think Dijak is actually a very good choice he's got the height I think he can play this sort of over the top like super villain like really literally he's playing Bane he can play that type of character you can debate whether or not it might actually be more interesting than if he had just come up from NXT as uh Dijakovic um because I I don't know I don't know how Dijakovic would have been portrayed on the main roster this is a complete overhaul for him. Is this a better... Oh, man, I can't even ask. I can't even seriously ask the question. Where um, do you think T-Bar is going to be in six <laughs> months? Playing T-Ball? I could see uh, this guy heading out into the water and being eaten by a shark. <laughs> 24-7 division, for sure, for a lot of these guys. Um, no, I mean, he's tall. I'm Maybe a spot on the underground. My advice for these guys would be, let's not be so ambitious about being unmasked. I think you want to be hidden as long as possible so that when the inevitable rebranding is necessary, it will be more of a seamless one than if your identities are exposed and you are tied to T-Bar, Mace, and poor Slapjack wearing his, uh, his, his goddamn hockey mask. Who is Slapjack? Slapjack is Shane Thorne. Look way shorter than Shane Thorne. It's supposed to be Shane Thorne. So, hmm. uh, anyway, Drew McIntyre, Keith Lee was next. And 
Phillips tried to explain how this works for Sunday's match. If Keith Lee wins and Randy Orton is not cleared, then Keith Lee will get the match with Drew on Sunday, which will be an ambulance match and their third match in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Lee runs at Drew and sends him to the floor, chops him and hits him with Grizzly Magnum on the floor, which is where he lifts his hands and smashes them on the chest of Drew McIntyre. Drew then dumps Lee onto the desk. They go through the break. Lee seems conflicted as he nails the man in the jaw. And then the spirit bomb gets countered with a Rana and then a spine buster by Drew for a two count. He's clutching his jaw. We get a shot of the ambulance, which is, quote, symbolic of what will happen this Sunday. Lee hits Drew with a big lariat. Then Drew avoids the spirit bomb, comes back with the claymore. But before he can pin him, Orton shows up with the chair shot for our first of many disqualifications on this show. 11 minutes, 46 seconds. Orton beats Drew with a chair and then punt kicks Keith Lee, presumably into the hospital. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, honestly, um, did we expect anything different than a non-finish here? Uh, no, we no. I thought, I think, you know, it is of course infuriating. I mean, it'd be acceptable to me a bit more if it was their way of building to a three way, but it's not even that, you know, they just don't want to beat either guy yet. They still want to continue to promote them in a match together every week on TV. Yeah. Where, 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 where is, uh, Keith Lee, uh, at this point, a month into the main roster run, where, where do you see, um, it's been really weird. I don't know why. Um, so they had him beat Randy Orton at payback. And they used that as a way to catapult him in the top end of the mix. And they've kept him there by these very um, disappointing, you know, um, non-finishes with him on TV. Um, meanwhile, trying to use that to build to Keith... Uh, sorry, Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre. So... Uh, they've kept his face in there in the top mix, which is, I think, their intent. But uh, how excited am I to see future matches with them? They've greatly diminished that, I would say, over the past month. Yeah, I mean, I just think, like, you did do something really cool with him beating Randy Orton in the fashion you did, but that feels like, that was only a couple of weeks ago, and it feels like a total afterthought, and... I don't know, it just seems like you've run the this combination of these three into the ground in record time, and I don't know. Like, was it was this match, did it do a lot for you? It kind of just felt like this was... I you, didn't you had no, care. You, you had no faith in a finish, so yeah. I don't know how how invested you get into when you're going 12 minutes and you know that there's they're, they're not beating either guy. And I think that's a larger problem than people uh, I, give credit to, the fact that there is no faith in finishes and tonight was like a grand example of that that style of booking up and down this card like everything is a is a bait and switch the one thing that they did deliver something uh, finish on is raw Bra- underground braun Strowman versus davocado yes. so i mean that i thought was a was an overall positive for braun Strowman. but i mean outside of that keith lee versus drew mcintyre has been a bait and switch match that they've tried several weeks several several instances of it now uh this week i had zero anticipation for it whatsoever um, by the time you might actually announce it on a pay-per-view, I'm not really going to care either. No. Um, McIntyre and Orton feels 
it has cooled off significantly from from their last pay per view to now. Um, yeah, from SummerSlam to here, the whole story that they've tried telling this month of like um, the teases of either Drew or Randy being injured and no one like you know one of one or the other not being able to make it to the pay per view. I don't think one person watching would have came close to believing in any of that stuff. Um, and the it seemed like it was just done as a way to inject Keith Lee into this feud as a potential replacement. That's like my theory. That in the end, it just ends up being like a really unfocused and like, uh, I don't know, a hard to believe in program over the past several weeks. They are a SmackDown promo. The big thing this week they are pushing is whether Otis will forfeit the Money in the Bank contract or not, and uh, the final build up for Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. Mm-hmm. Orton cuts a promo after the break. Shame on all of you people for doubting him to make it to Clash. He has been a constant in this locker room for 20 years. He walks over to the ambulance. He took a ride in this ambulance several weeks ago. Are you aware that WWE is much like they they went crazy with that uh, that shark tank or the shark cage a couple of years ago that they're marketing an ambulance now as part of their toy series? Okay. Was not aware. It's, it's the WWE Slambulance. Oh, nice. So Great. anyway, there's a tie in there. He took a ride in this three weeks ago after Drew McIntyre hit him with not one, not two, not three. Well, actually, shit. He gave me three Claymore kicks. <laughs> the best. They did catch. It looked like shit was the word dropped here. The best. <laughs> This is one of the best parts of Raw, was Randy Orton just realizing on live television that he screwed up the math. Well, shit, it was three. It was a lot. He goes over the people he's put in the hospital, and he remembered what he's capable of. And the point of all this is that this ambulance represents pain, agony, even death. But to him, it represents his 14th world title, and he will make sure Drew takes another ride in one, and his title reign flatlines. Aside from the little, um, you know, screw up, I thought it was a good go-home promo for Morton. Um, Schreiber is with Asuka and Billy Kay interrupt. This this was where, like, my head's unraveling during this segment. Schreiber is speaking with Asuka. Billy Kay interrupts and says, oh, Asuka's just giving away title shots. Maybe Sarah can get a title shot. Maybe Jen from Catering. Then Peyton Royce walks in and says, maybe I can get a title shot. And Sarah Schreiber asks a question on everyone's mind. Are you two still friends? And Kay explains, we can still support each other, even though we can't team any longer. And they set up a match with Asuka and Peyton Royce for later tonight, where we would get Peyton Royce with Billy Kay in her corner. I have no idea why these two have broken up, where they're now... Back together, but they can't team together. I have no clue. I mean, that too seemed really mistimed. Um, all the breakups, it just seemed like they were really, really like breakup crazy over the past month without any real idea of like when they wanted to complete the breakups or where to go afterwards. You have it with Angel and Andrade, and you certainly have it again here with Billy Kay and, and Peyton Royce, who um, this felt no different, honestly, from a typical iconic singles match. Um, 
I would anticipate that these two would be fully split up after the draft, but I still have no idea why they did this with so much time to go before that. Yeah, we we just forgot it. But maybe maybe the head kick that Billy Kay took on Raw Underground was so significant that she forgot it. She had amnesia and forgot that Peyton Royce caused that. I'll take one of those. Zelina Vega versus Mickey James. Mickey said she fought Asuka with everything and never gave up last week, and she'll never give up going for the Raw women's title. And uh, Mickey did an interview with uh, Alex McCarthy at TalkSport talking about last week, and the referee thought she was hurt and called the match, and they were they did it as a precaution, but obviously she was okay. She was back here. It, so, was it just looks like the referee was concerned, and I guess she ended up being fine. It was an unfortunate end to, to that match, but at the same time, it's, it's a, something I'm really happy to see. You know, I'd rather somebody end a match early out of concern than end it late because, you know, they're letting these wrestlers just, you know, continue hurt. So this was, I think, uh, ultimately, like, um, something that I actually feel like helped this week. You know, it, because of the controversy stemming from Asuka versus Mickey, I feel like there's plenty of interest in a rematch. So Vega gets thrown around by the hair. She comes back. She applies the octopus then drives Mickey's head into the mat. She hit like this slow 619 kind of setup to tie up Mickey in the in the rope. Mickey comes back with an insiguri and then goes for this step up knee that someone sent me this in slow motion. Uh, I do not need to see it in slow motion because in actual motion, this thing missed by a mile. Then there was a seated senton off the top by Mickey. She goes for the Mick DT. It was stopped. Uh, I, I thought like the timing of this was just between the two. It was just so off. It just seemed like two different speeds we were going at. It ended with Vega catching her with a backstabber, uh, which I guess is her finish. She wins in 413 to earn the title shot against Asuka, which will be on the kickoff on Sunday. Uh I did not think this was a great match. No, there's quite a bit of sloppiness in it, unfortunately. And this is not, um, like, I wouldn't say it was all in Zelina either. You know, it it was, a lot of the kicks looked off, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, this is Asuka going through the roster right now. Zelina's getting her chance on a pay-per-view match, or at least on a kickoff match. Uh, unfortunately, it's another match at this Class of Champions show on the raw side at least that has absolutely zero heat attached to it a contender that nobody really buys uh really just created days before from out of nowhere the hurt business are attacking the uh the faceless nameless retribution members in the back so they've already laid out most of the group and then we go to what i wanted to say was maybe the stupidest segment of the year it might not have even been the dumbest segment of the night, um, depending on your attitude towards it. Akira Tozawa is with a masked... Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the Bianca Belair video. I'm like, you didn't like that? I skipped the Bianca Belair video. Was this just a commercial? It was just a little video, uh, I guess, explaining you know what the, like, the ESTs are. And we started with Strong Guest on this one. So I imagine this will be a series... And of course, like Bianca Belair, she works out with like full makeup, full gear, with all that stuff in her hair. It didn't say a whole lot, but it's a start. It's better than nothing. I definitely feel like they're probably five months late with it. This would have been something that would have been nice to have even before she debuted, or if not right after her debut. Uh, But the fact that they're actually starting right now, I would have to 
hope that after the draft is when she might actually get her real push. Earlier today, Tozawa is with this masked referee on the beach. And they run into the water. R-Truth is also at the beach. And he gets spotted by Tozawa. So Tozawa and this referee hide underwater. Truth then spots a shark fin and drops the title and runs away. He's also with Little Jimmy, by the way. We cut to 20 minutes later, and R-Truth is telling Little Jimmy, because he's left the title in the water, I need to get my baby back. I need to get my baby back. And there was no Chili's sponsorship for this. He spots the shark again, rescues Little Jimmy, but then in... We got like the, uh, the the scene out of Jaws with uh, Alex Kittner, where you just see like the the floating device he was on come up all torn to shreds from the shark attack. We see the ninja outfit, and our truth concludes that Tozawa got devoured and never to play with sharks. So Okira Tozawa is dead, or or the referee. Could be the referee as well. Maybe yeah. Tozawa made it. This was just absolutely this was so, terrible. How? How, like, how is this even on the air? So this was supposed to be a real shark, eh? Like, were you not expecting that, okay, it's... <laughs> I mean, like, the water was like... The, the referee was like the hidden shark, or it was someone under disguise to trick our truth. No, they played it up like this was an actual shark like there was no there was no reveal or punchline to this other than someone was eaten by the shark it was like what what is going on the water looked like three feet deep here um i can't i couldn't believe this i mean these 24 7 segments have always been terrible all of them have been bad um maybe outside of a couple drake maverick ones maybe the wedding was fine the rest of them have been god awful and ever since like man like they've uh, ever since Drake Maverick has left, pretty much, you know, these have all just like been uh, in a creative level of just like, um, shit. And this was like one of the most kind of free form. I don't care. Let's just go out and figure out some sort of story idea, you know, types of segments that they've ever done. It was, it was awful. Terrible, terrible, terrible. MVP comes out with Cedric Alexander. He says that Retribution are going to have a six-man tag tonight. You may be the judge and jury, but the Hurt Business are the executioners. Alexander tells Apollo, I don't care about you or your kids. So Alexander comes out with Ricochet. They don't care why he turned. We're just moving on from that from that reasoning. He says he has not forgotten about the United States title and announces he's facing Bobby Lashley on Sunday. So a lesson to be learned for challengers out there. Don't wait. Just announce that you're facing this person on Sunday. This was a title shot. I mean, what is this? A rematch, I guess? Re- yes. But there, I thought rematches weren't, weren't a thing anymore. What has Apollo well, Crews done since then to earn this shot? Well, he's uh, maybe he's secretly working with Retribution. He's got one of those contracts where he can do anything he wants, anytime he wants. Honestly, like this is when... It was weird last week, but it's especially weird this week because clearly uh, the Hurt Business are being portrayed as the top baby faces of this show. And when they come out here... And and they're cutting these promos on poor Apollo Cruz, who he wasn't out here fighting the the bad guys. You know, he was not heroic. He did not, you know, whether or not he was getting paid. You have Apollo Cruz basically, you know, at this point trying to antagonize 
one of the top baby faces on the show, it really hurts Apollo Crews, and it certainly hurts Ricochet. Crews hit a... We had Cedric Alexander against Apollo Crews. Uh, we had Crews power up on him with a splash. Samoan drop for a two count. Then goes to the floor, lands on his feet from the moonsault. Then Alexander lands a suicide dive, gets into Ricochet's face. And based on this face-to-face interaction, this distracted him to such a degree that he stepped into the ring and was cradled by Cruz for the win in eight minutes. So Cruz wins going into his U.S. title shot, which was uh, an outcome that I couldn't have necessarily predicted at the beginning of this. The match was pretty decent, but... You know, you watch this, but you and, and I couldn't really help but feel that like the importance of this entire program between Apollo and Lashley or Cedric, the whole thing has really been greatly diminished with just, you know, it's been swallowed whole by this retribution thing. Um, it got Akira Tozawa. Exactly. Yes. So I, I would have actually said coming off a of payback, even with what is it, um, uh, Lashley beating Apollo Crews. There was more emphasis on Apollo Crews after payback as a principal player on this show. In the weeks since, I mean, Lashley has just, or sorry, Paul Crews has just fallen so far into the background, whether it be, you know, to the Cedric Alexander stuff or to the, to the Retribution stuff, that coming into this Clash of Champions pay-per-view, he just does not seem like a contender whatsoever. I, I don't see any chance of a title change. Lashley, especially, like, you know, being the star of the Hurt Business, he he's having a bigger role on the show, and and uh, unfortunately, Apollo Cruz is. It seems like he's kind of getting left behind. And then they beat the shit out of Cedric Alexander afterwards, and he was laid out and left for dead from the Hurt Locker, the Hurt Lock. Mm-hmm. So exciting stuff. Did you know way the Thunderdome has seventeen million pixels, over three thousand LED panels. What about the BTUs of flames? You don't want to know that number? Mm. Or the HDX lasers? How many watts they have? 750,000, by the way. Raw Underground. Dolph Ziggler versus Arturo, Arturo Huas. The Battle of the Jeans. Were they wearing jeans? They were both wearing jeans. Huas defends the single leg. Knees Ziggler in the body. Slams him down. Uh... Dolph Ziggler is like a guy that, you know, he has a wrestling background, but I get the sense he, like, he very much tailors it to be like the over the top WWE style of what you'd expect to think of what fighting is. It's not exactly like we're not going high on technique here, but I thought that these two, they, they work this raw underground format to have like a competitive two, three minutes here, which is all you can ask for. I actually enjoyed the hell out of this. I really like Arturo Horace's style. He looked fantastic here, as did Dolph Ziggler. Anytime like they put him in this capacity where he's allowed to just wrestle and have, you know, like a believably yeah. R- wrestle, match. wrestle and fish hook, wrestle and fish hook. Yes, that too. I I enjoy these. I just wish that the ramifications were respected at all. There are no records. Like guys go from being showcased as winners one week to being completely squashed by Braun Strowman the other week. So there's really still, you know, months into this thing, a complete lack of linear progression for any of the people that appear on this show. Um, I guess the exception being Daba Kato, who was portrayed as a big star and then subsequently was fed to Braun Strowman. So, uh, but I don't expect the same, unfortunately, for Huas and Ziggler. Wait, that's preposterous. He wasn't literally fed to another individual. That would be, that would be crazy. (laughs) That's, That's all 
Tozawa. Yeah? The stupidest segment. That was the stupidest thing of the night, maybe. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was. Um, we knew it was over because uh, much like Mike Goldberg had his uh, catchphrase to end a big fight, Shane McMahon yelled, Ooh, that was sick! As uh, Arturo Huas taps to the rear naked choke. Mm-hmm. Braun starts yelling at Shane. He doesn't want to be interviewed. So we got Brianna Brandy, who's been, uh, was signed about a year ago. Um, she is not impressed, or sorry, he is not impressed with Daba Kato and hopes he has dental insurance because he's sending them to their mommies and says Shane can get some too. So this, like, Brianna Brandy was just suddenly called up in the middle of this thing. She, she was more host. so like a co-host here with, with Shane. Oh, at, they had at a points. lower third ready and everything. Yep. yep. So she Great. just suddenly became a new co-host mid-sentence here. Seth Rollins is out. Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. Last week on WWE.com, they posted photos of the Mysterio family, and this set a light bulb off for Seth Rollins. He shows a family photo. And tells everyone to look at Ray and then look at Dominic. And you know exactly where this is going. He's had some people do some digging. He went to Ancestry.com. And he has gotten the results of an investigation. Which I think this guy got the results of a DNA fe- test faster than you got your COVID results. Well, he's... I, got, I should have uh, tested with Ancestry.com then. Um, I mean... Seth does have that in because didn't he find like a sibling of his that he did not know? Yeah, I think I remember something like that. Yeah, he did. He did find one. So maybe he's got a connection there. He first invites the Mysterios to come out to hear this and they can trust him. So all four come out. Ray is tired of all these mind games and where this angle's going. He says the plan is to give him a beating just like they did Murphy. But Rollins says that he is inspired by the family fighting together. He has the results of a DNA test and says, I know this has been done before, but technology has advanced a lot since 2005. And he asks if Ray is really Dominic's father. And Ray speaks for the entire audience as he groans. Rollins reads the results and says, Ray is not the father. Ray tells him not to run his family's name through the mud. Seth says, you know what? Maybe my guys got this screwed up. Maybe it's Aaliyah who is not your daughter. She laughs this off. And Rollins has evidence. What is this evidence, you say, that determines Aaliyah could be a, uh, could be a parentless here in this segment? That she doesn't know her parents? She came to the ring last week. And she checked on Murphy. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you ever have a, conund- a conundrum, uh, a problem, Detective Rollins is not going to be your first point of contact. <laughs> this is his evidence. Ray defends this. He actually is going to counterpoint this bullshit evidence from Seth by saying she was raised to be caring and compassionate. She's only 19. She's naive. She doesn't know about our world. And Aaliyah is pissed and storms to the back. So does Angie. Guess Aaliyah's going to have to dust herself off and try again. 
because this did not go well for the Mysterio family. Mm, excellent. Sorry. Dominic just oh. stares at Seth. He's the last one to leave. Rollins is left in the ring. I didn't mean to drive a wedge. Even a family like the Mysterios, I guess, can let something like that happen. And he looks into the camera. It's probably happened to your families as well. I'm sorry. And he goes to the floor and then gives a smirk. What this guy needs to do is give up, uh, is give a call to his, uh, his blood brother, Joe. He's got to call up cousin Joe and say, dude, you are a way better actor than me. How have you gotten this heel character over? And I've been struggling for all these months. I thought this segment was completely stupid. Oh my God. But this is also the kind of storyline that also typically does well. So I don't know what to expect from this, but here's our latest chapter. And I was done at this point, Way This was our hour three of Raw, and I didn't know if I was going to make it through another hour of this. This is my favorite part of the show. I laughed uncontrollably throughout this entire thing. Anytime you have wrestlers trying really hard to act in this overly dramatic soap opera, who's your dad type of storyline. This to me reached like some of the levels of like my favorite unintentionally comedic moments of professional wrestling. I could not stop laughing. It was great. Everyone always asks if you wanted to sell somebody on wrestling, what match would you show them? It'd be like, I'm not recruiting anybody to watch wrestling. You know what I'm going to show them? I am going to show them this segment. Be like, if you can watch this and find anything, then may maybe this is something you want to dedicate three hours of your Monday nights to. I mean, this has a place on Adult Swim. It's got a place on any sort of like, you know, terrible B-movie um, time slot on your local cable channel. Um, it's It's that great. Well, to be fair to Seth, like we talked about like a few weeks ago, he seemed to have really hit on like an element of the character that he had not prior that to me was the most success he has had with this character. You're going into this and as ridiculous as this story is, I mean, we do have the precedent of the first time they did this with the Dominic and Ray. And that thing was an enormous, enormous success. On SmackDown. It was like one of the best drawing angles SmackDown had had yeah. in its history. But you had, you had a guy in Eddie that, again, you have to be an incredible presence to pull off this heel character. And I'm not convinced Seth is that guy. Well, to be clear, I don't see them actually pursuing the kind of paternity test thing too much. I saw this really just as a way of Seth, I don't know, introducing Aaliyah into the story by bringing her name up, using some sort of, you know, the callback essentially to a paternity test angle. Um, they're, they're a lot of fun to entice people to come in here, but I, I feel like we're not going to continue like a tease of whether or not Aaliyah is actually Rey Mysterio's daughter and really just more so Aaliyah now being upset at Rey Mysterio, which, which Seth Rollins created. What did we have next? We had Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler against Natalia and Lana with the Riot Squad on commentary. And the Riot Squad says that they have never been stronger going into this match on Sunday. 
And Liv Morgan is asked about Baszler and Jax being on different pages. And Liv could barely answer this question when she was asked. She had like a brain freeze or something. You know, she was really bombing this like commentary job. And um, it's hard to completely blame her because like what experience would somebody like her who's completely come up within the WWE system, what experience would she have had improvising on TV? None. In this setting, in this company, virtually none. Absolutely none. Like, her whole career has been based off of reading scripted promo, saying exactly what somebody else wants her to say. So she's put into this, like, environment where she has to talk for herself, and she had nothing to say. Then we had uh, the rest of this match. I mean, the rest of this match. It was a goddamn minute. Uh, Baszler came in. Natalia was knocked off the apron. Gut wrench, knee strike, Kirafuda clutch. Lana taps in a minute two. And then Baszler and Jax go back to arguing. And <laughs> Liv and Ruby, their go-home line to send us into this pay-per-view. Look, they don't even want to touch each other. So then they go down to the floor and they're about to destroy the Riot Squad, who... Uh, Riot saves Liv, so instead Jax takes poor Lana again and puts her through the desk with a Samoan drop. Sunday, everybody, the fu- that we get the showdown for the tag titles. So I take it that Nia and Shayna are baby faces, right? Um, Shayna that- is a baby face. Can we agree on that? Uh, sure. And I think Nia, by association, is a baby face as well, but, but not the- baby faces to the level of Ruby and Liv. Well, you could have fooled me because you had riot, the Riot Squad retreating here as like the cowardly heels to this like threat of of Nia and Shayna Baszler. Um, in in any case, it's another terribly built feud for a match with absolutely no heat going into this pay per view. Like up and down this card, especially on the Raw side of things, outside of your main events, they're all completely cold with like challengers that nobody can buy. This is a very weak show on Sunday. I think that goes without saying. Drew is icing his jaw, which means, Charlie, it's interview time. He will defend his title and beat the piss out of Randy on Sunday, and tonight he's going to pick a fight. The Mysterios are huddled in the back. Ray apologizes to Aaliyah. Aaliyah says, I can speak for myself. Not in this environment. She came here to support Dominic, and both you and Dominic have been hurt. It's too much for me. But then again, I'm just a naive girl and walks off. Dude, this is like the best actress slash actor of the family. Uh, you jo- you being sarcastic or no? Aaliyah? I, I think Aaliyah is actually very good. I thought she was awful here. Oh. Like she was great when she was young. Okay. But like this was really bad. Like this was like the grassy junior high level bad. She's 19. Um, she would be on the grassy junior high. Oh, well, exactly. There you go. But man, uh, this was terrible. I'm so on board. <laughs> I thought Leo was fine. Uh, Riddick Moss versus Eric on Raw Underground. There's a big, t- a big takedown by Moss. Then a hip toss from Eric. Both are just throwing wildly. And then Eric hits a German suplex. Moss gets up, drops him with a clean right hand and finishes him with strikes. Yeah, Moss celebrates like it's the biggest win of his life, but we're just, we just immediately move on, you know? Even Shane's like, I'm sorry to move on, but uh, here's the real main event. Brianna Brandy interviewing Daba Kato, and then Shane has to take over the interview. Says, talk is cheap, 
Tonight you will see, but he will feel what Dabakato is all about. Now get out of my face. And he just roared and roared and roared. I mean, Shane seems to like be running this Raw Underground thing just really uh, on a complete whim, you know, without any real plan, without any real structure. Whoever wants to show up gets to be in a match. Um, who, you know, I'm going to hire somebody to be a, a ringside, you know, interviewer, but then I'm just going to take the microphone away from her right afterwards. He's like, he's like a rich guy who just like is high running this whole thing. Mandy Rose is coming to Raw, which Lawler says will be Mandy Night Raw. Pretty clever. Oscar Peyton Royce with Billy Kay in Peyton Royce's corner. Oscar gets uh, lifted up and then drops down. Oscar Lock gets countered with a roll up. Peyton Royce hit a spin kick and then stops Royce on the turnbuckle, lands a spinning kick. And then mounts on top of Royce. It seemed like they were trying to set up for the Oscar lock, but then she's on top of her. Didn't matter because then Zelina Vega jumped in and attacked Oscar for the DQ in 225. Just done with these finishes. It's the most generic WWE finish that we have. Um, <laughs> and it's a very generic WWE title program that's coming up on Sunday. Aaliyah's backstage crying. Murphy approaches and apologizes. He says it's gotten out of hand and he leaves. And Aaliyah said nothing here. Uh, she, she was trying to act, I guess, uh, responsive and receptive to Murphy. Then the big fight. Braun Strowman, Dabakato, Raw Underground, the Battle of the Behemoths. Strowman gets his back and tries to get his hooks in. It's like we took two big heavyweights and we decided to do shitty technical fighting <laughs> to the point that they go to the floor and Shane is saying, man, think of how tired they must be, which is not something that it would be. Uh, that, that's not a positive that you're you're promoting. Look how gassed these guys got in 60 seconds. He drops Daba Kato with one sh big shot and then pounces him for the stoppage. I would be a hypocrite to complain about Dabakato getting fed here, that at least you built up this big thing with these monsters and you had a decisive winner. And on this show, I was not going to complain about this, but it did very much feel like Dabakato was the uh, flavor of the week and that week has passed. Well, I'm at least happy to see like this Raw Underground add up and amount to some something positive for somebody on this roster. Um, Tabakato could have just, you know, occasionally just been lingering in the, in the back there, beating some people up. But in the end, it seemed like this was a pretty interesting way of rehabbing Braun Strowman after the title loss to, uh, the Fiend. Um, I wouldn't mind con seeing them continue to rebrand him in, as like a raw underground, you know, unbeatable champion. Um, Dabakato, I don't know if this is like a proper call up or, or not. Um, I don't know if he's. I don't know. I really don't know how far along he is, but I think perhaps more. We'll see if, if we don't see him in raw underground again, then I think that that tells the tale. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this, this kind of almost felt like, like a blow off to the Dabakato character who was, I mean, that first week of raw underground, this, this whole concept felt to be uh, built around him and that's definitely changed. Yeah. Yeah. With a guy like that. I mean, I, I really think you have to take your time cause, um, you know, few bad appearances. If he's not ready in ring for a proper match, like you can really expose him. And then the words that we will always remember from Mike Rome. 
Introducing Slapjack, T-Bar, and Retribution. Sorry, Slapjack, T-Bar, and Mace. Retribution. Their entrance is them entering through the crowd with a shaky cam. They made the shaky cam a part of their entrance. Yeah, well, they're scared. Yeah, of course, yeah. These names, I mean, you couldn't come up with names to make these dudes sound any less intimidating. And and they're absolutely, like, they are, like, quintessential Vince McMahon names. You know, you could tell they're the same guy who came up with Mace and the Mutilator. Yeah. Are, are they going to be, like, WWE um, spelt-out names? Like, we'll get Slapjack, where it's, like, J-A-K-K. T-Bar with two R's, and then Mace, it'll be like a capital C in the middle of that word. It should that really word? be a dollar sign E. It, it, really, it really should. I mean, they're kind of like their their mission statement is more money, more problems. Yeah. I just, what do you think were the names that didn't make the cut? Uh, Mousepad. I've got some ri- Mousepad? Yeah. Uh... Guys, I got them. We we got Bebop and Rocksteady. I came up with them last night. These are groundbreaking names. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What's a, what's another Kendo? Uh, say that Daba Kendo. Daba Kendo. Uh, maybe table chair. <laughs> Fuck! What is a T bar? It's the uh, it's the it's the thing you don't you don't try if you're nursing a muscle injury in the gym. What you see you you wait you wait to you wait to work on the T bar until you're at full strength. Oh, okay. T bar is a, is an actual like a uh, weight training thing, right? I, I, no, I don't think it is. It is. I'm googling T bar right now. Is it really? Oh yeah. Well, why would that's where... why would a man name himself after that if you're a you know supposed to be a terrorist? <laughs> what is, what is uh what is Mia Yim gonna be like uh like because because they're like anti anti uh, uh Peloton no we got Peloton we've got Bowflex coming up uh, Mia Yimalist what like a minimalist but a Mia Yimalist I don't know about that one. T-Bar, I mean, I imagine T-Bar probably means something else too, right? But, uh, I don't know, like, all the results coming up are like, you know, like a, like a landmine type of thing. Oh, I, I hope we have landmine. a redo. there's one. How great would it be if, like, tomorrow it, it surfaces, like, there's a porn star with one of these names, and they've got to change them next week? Uh... Yeah, you, I'm not doing that Google search right now. Maybe later. That, I think you're looking for tea bag. <laughs> Maybe that was the one that got turned down. Yeah. Hey, I got one. <laughs> well, he can still he still needs a name for a finisher. Oh God. Yeah, give him the Vader bomb and or the uh, the bonsai drop. It'd be the the tea bag. They took on uh, Seti, Belash, and Shelt Ben. This, the best exchange was Tom Phillips saying, this is Slapjack. And Lawler responds, Slapjack. And he just started <laughs> laughing. Nothing says menacing group that is threatening a takeover than Jerry Lawler laughing these guys off at their ridiculous names. And this is someone who uh, helped 
create the Kamala character. I'm sorry to like, you know, like harp on these names for as long as we are, but like who would, who uses a slapjack these days? Like a slapjack is a very much like a 1940s, like Dick Tracy type of weapon, isn't it? Like, is a slapjack even used at all? Like much less by, you know, like a supposed Antifa group. Like, have you ever seen a slapjack in real life? Stevie Ray used to use one. Yeah, that would be the only time. That's how I know what it's called. But, like, in real life? Would you would you love to just sit down for 15 minutes with Vince McMahon and just watch the news that night? And after God, 15 no. minutes, get his interpretation of what he has just seen? I wouldn't want that. I definitely would. I think that would be really insightful. Mace. I like it. Mace. What else? Uh, he's still like we've still got more to name. Like we've got to name Mercedes. We've got to name Yim. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like we still got more names. It's like these are pretty terrible, but they could lower the bar, the T bar. Um, I, I have nothing to say about this match. They got the advantage on Alexander. Then they got the advantage on Shelton Benjamin. They're, they're wrestling this match. I think as complete baby faces. Who? The hurt business. Oh, the hurt business. Yes, absolutely. And and going 50-50 with our new threatening group that have to resort to an eye poke when Lashley applies the hurt lock and T-Bar pokes him in the eye for the goddamn DQ in six oh, minutes fuck. and 17 How, seconds. Now, that's the other thing, too. It's like in every tag team wrestling match ever, you've had guys touch somebody if they're not legal. Wait, we watched... We watched Dolph Ziggler fish hook a man 45 minutes ago. Well, that's the underground, okay? Anything goes there. But, like, I understand. They signed contracts that they literally told me all night they can do whatever they want. What does that mean? Uh, up until an eye poke? That's that's the line too Did far. Did we even get an eye poke here? That's what it was? That's what it was. Oh. He poked him in the eye with the, eye, with the hurt lock on. These guys attacked this arena, dude, with fucking chainsaws. They hired these guys, and the match was thrown out with well, an eye poke. I guess the ref didn't see it. You, The first match, you couldn't find three geeks for these guys to run roughshod on. Like, is it that hard to book the invading group? John, you couldn't fuck this thing up more if you tried. Like, you'd have a better chance going 0 for 5 on a G1 card than what they did here. Everything about this was wrong. They're terrible names. The Hurt Business playing baby faces despite being heels on the other part part of the show. A terrible finish. Like, everything about this was just epically bad. Worst, worst gimmick of the year. Retribution by a landslide after tonight's show. Worst Raw of the year. At the end of this, the Retribution members swarm the ring. The cameras are going into going into shock. Then Drew McIntyre runs out with the rest of the locker room. The rest of the locker room that had no desire to fend off these people, save for the Hurt Business, until tonight. Everyone fights. Drew is left in the ring. He eats an RKO onto his injured jaw. The end of this show, thankfully. It's like, what I don't get is like, you know, we have several templates of how to properly do invasions. I mean, they've done plenty of invasion angles. I mean, obviously, to varying degrees of success, but like... It's invasion angles have been done for like 20, 30 years at this point. How was this one handled so badly? 
This was a bad show. This is a very, very bad episode of Raw. I don't mean to harp on it, but I just thought this was a brutal show that I cannot tell you how little my interest is in in Clash of Champions on Sunday. And this retribution angle is just awful. It is so terribly executed. I, it's, 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 you know, like SmackDown has several good things on it. The Roman story with Jey Uso, I think, has been very well told. Um, Sasha and Bailey is a good storyline, although you're not going to see any sort of um, iteration or chapter of it at, at Clash of Champions. Um, there are good things about on the show, even for the most part, like Seth, Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. Um, I'm still enjoying that. But then, like, it's just like, you know, it's got, it's it's been overgrown the rest of these three hours with just like, like terrible like weeds you know like the worst shittiest ugliest weeds possible and it came in the form of this retribution angle it came in the form of um all these tag teams that are meant to be breaking up but they're continuing for one more shot um whatever's going on with Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax and these kind of lame duck challengers I mean I think Orton and Drew is still in very good shape, but like, it's been a murky. Really? It's been a murky month, like with that story. Now that it's all kind of done, we're heading into the pay per view. Uh, but those two are still seen as I would say like big deals. Now, like, it could be way better, and I think what they're doing with Keith Lee could be way better. But I wouldn't say like they've completely lost it. I can't say the same for like the Iconics. I don't know what's going on there. Um. The women's division, like, I mean, it's it's fine. Like, it's just Asuka beating a bunch of people. But um, this draft really can't come soon enough, like, for them to reset everything. Oh, As of course, in, in, your, in your favorite uh, ninja thing. Oh, God, yeah. A man got eaten by a shark tonight. Let's not bury the lead. Mm-hmm. Let's go to feedback. I give this show a one. 2.63, not that far off from what the forum thought about tonight's show. Paul from New Jersey. This retribution stuff is just boring. It's just lazy hyperbole. Everyone excited for the Street Profits against Garza and Andrade again? Me neither. At least Vince McMahon remembered that Peyton Royce and Bianca Belair exist. Who could have called Randy Orton interfering in the McIntyre-Lee match? Lee has been in five matches on the main roster that have concluded in a no contest. Tapped out after the Bailey or the... Peyton, Oscar, non-match nonsense. At least you guys get paid to watch this nonsense. I have no excuse. Ways Cowboys are 2-0, and currently undefeated. All right, we got a no one from Vaughn who says, where do I even start with the show? 60 camera cuts in the less than two-minute Raw underground fight between Huas and Ziggler. I think I'm still dizzy from that. I have no idea why they're doing Garza and Andrade versus the Street Profits again when the Profits are 7-0-1 in their eight tag matches since March. That's insane which seems like way too many for these two teams. Slapjack, T-Bar, and Mace are three of the worst wrestling names I've ever heard. Retribution is worse than Dark Order ever was pre-Brody. I shudder to think what names Mia and Mercedes will end up getting. It's unfortunate. I mean, none of these three are really going to even want to use these names on Twitch. So maybe they outsmarted them. Hmm. Um, Jesse from Montreal. Do you remember the 21st night of September? Seth Rollins abandoned his own partner, which gave a win to Garza and Andrade. Badia, retribution made us all frown. Badia, 
Raw is much worse than SmackDown. Buddy, uh, I'll watch Dallas versus Tampa Bay. <laughs> I don't know what this was done in the style of, but uh, thank you, Jesse. It's Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay. I like yours better, personally. We got a Nick from Lansing who says, Raw somehow feels put together at the last minute and overproduced at the same time. The 24-7 belt is beyond unfunny now, even with R-Truth trying his hardest. Retribution makes no sense at this point. They refused WWE's money, but Mercedes was on NXT last week. The names are rightfully getting roasted, and the whole angle feels like it's dying a slow death. I um, disagree with the word slow. <laughs> uh, we go next to Ventac. I tried watching Raw today for the first time in six months. Well, you lost today. This show was the absolute drizzling shits. I couldn't care for anybody on this show. Nobody feels important, protected, motivated, or compelling. See you in six months. I can't imagine, like, stepping into this, you know, for the first time in six months and just experiencing this. Because, like, I almost feel like it's worse if you have been following the stories up until this point. So you know that Keith Lee and Donovan, or sorry, Keith Lee and and Drew McIntyre have already faced each other. And that Keith Lee has had no contests in, like, five of his several matches that he's had. Um, If you know that Andrade and Angel Garza have faced the Street Profits six or seven times prior to this. Like, it's way worse if you've actually been watching the show, I think, than if you were just stepping in. The worst or the best, depending on your, depending on what you get your enjoyment out of, is that what this show truly was, was not the go-home show for Clash of Champions. It's the go-home show for being the elite next Monday. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I know, like, the Dark Order members already have names. They should suggest name changes. They should come up with like a list of the stupidest goddamn names next week for John Silver to pitch to Brody Lee. Do it. Cash from Ajax says, We live in a time where there's so much quality television at our fingertips. Why anyone would want to sit through this garbage is beyond me. I get that some people don't mind shutting off their brain for a couple of hours in the evening, but this show is asking people to shut off their brain, close their eyes, and plug their ears to enjoy the show. That's really hard. There are so many quality wrestlers who are in their peak that are just drowning in this cesspool. Do you guys have an update on the contract statuses of Ricochet, Kevin Owens, and Andrade? These guys would kill it in AEW. I mean, Ricochet joined in 2018, so I don't know the length of his. Owens, his last deal, he signed a five-year deal in 2018, so he's, he's there years. He's got nothing coming up anytime soon, and I don't know Andrade. Brian from New York. They'll, they'll wow. pull up a huge truckload of cash whenever it's time. Maybe they'll even start booking them properly when it's close to them, like coming up, uh, having to resign. They don't want to lose anybody, but man, like they try hard with like angles like these. Brian from New York. That was something of a main event. Looking forward to Retribution eventually running through all the stables and teams until there's only one left standing: a returning Truth Commission. Slapjack, T-Bar, and Mace versus Kurgan, Recon, Sniper, and Tank. The ultimate showdown. In all seriousness, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, this show has just rotted my brain. At least they were nice enough to DiJack, Madden, and Thorn to hide their faces and names so they can get a second chance without this gimmick down the line. Something I liked about Raw, they seem to have done an about face in regards to keeping the iconics apart. Okay. In a division that is sorely lacking contenders for Asuka, starting Peyton Royce's singles run from scratch didn't make a ton of sense, and she'll be far stronger as a heel with a second than without one. 
Hopefully the vignette tonight was the start of something tangible for Bianca Belair. Once the Zelina Vega program is over, there isn't really any good reason to keep Bianca out of the title picture. Might as well position her at the top while the rest of the division is rebuilding. Well, that is some awful optimism on your part, Brian, but we, we will see. I will counter all of that with uh, two words, Mustafa Ali, but we'll see. Hmm. Like in really, in hindsight, I mean, wouldn't have made it may, wouldn't it have made a whole lot more sense if you had waited for the Iconics to challenge for the titles at Clash of Champions, lose them, and then break up? That would have required, um, I guess, more long-term thinking than went into this one. And I, listen, I think that this is ultimately a, a system that, like, we talk about the, you know, plans that change because of, you know, ideas that might be, pitch that have long-term payoffs and stuff that just get scrapped at the last minute uh, once they reach the top. But it, like, I feel we're seeing stuff that is not even thought of a week in advance. That is like, I have no idea what raw will look like next week. I, I, I hazard to guess if they would even have like a strong idea. And if they do what confidence level that the show that they might have in mind is going to be the show that we see on Monday. Like this just feels like it is Look how much retribution shit, like throw out the quality portion. This is their number one angle on Raw. This is their biggest story they're pushing and have been for six weeks. And look how much shit they blew through tonight that they gave out without any kind of build towards any of it. It was just all for tonight, all to throw at at the wall tonight. You had uh, within the body of the show to build to our number one angle and these characters having their contracts are already, we've established now, they're just part of the roster like anybody else. We're going to give away their first match. Um, Not their first I mean, um, conclusive ending to a match, though. They can't awesome. skip out on that. Oh, yeah. Man. Everyone at the end was like, oh, man, I didn't get a clean finish. I can't wait now to next week. Maybe we'll get a clean finish next week. I got to look up like how many actual finishes we actually had on this show. Uh, dude, I'll let, let's Please. go over them. Okay? okay, we had Garza and Andrade uh, win the tag thing after Rollins walked out on Murphy. We can give him that one. Fine. Drew beats Key by DQ. Drew beats Keith by DQ when Randy runs in. So DQ one. Zelina pins Mickey James. That was clean. Okay. Apollo beats Cedric. So they got that one. Mm-hmm. We got Shane and Nia over Natalia that and was Lana. A squash. And then we had Oscar DQ'd against Peyton, Ro- or Oscar won by DQ against Peyton. And then mm-hmm. the main event, uh, Retribution, losing by DQ, losing technically in their first match to Lashley, Alexander, and so Benjamin. Three out of seven. One of those was Seth Rollins walking out. So I'm going to say three and a half. Like 50% of these matches were f- fucked up, like non finishes or something else. And that's just. I think a bad use of three hours. Again, it's it's the point I'm going to keep looking at is the fact that even when you have a big match to promote, when you have diminished your faith that you're getting any kind of payoff to it, it almost negates whatever star power you're creating because there is no faith that you can build a show. Like you could announce, what's the biggest match you could announce next week? Like um, the biggest match. John Cena and um, Roman Reigns. Okay. And do you think that they would beat either of those guys clean on Raw next week? No, of course not. 
So that's a bigger problem that I think, you know, that's an extreme example of two big names that you could promote. But um, I, I even look at this ambulance match. Like, how do they get out of this ambulance match? Do you think you're getting a, a clean cut finish or are we getting retribution tipping the ambulance over? There's no ambulance to take the loser out on. There's going to be some retribution involvement, I suppose. But yeah, I don't know. That was raw. Any closing thoughts? No, no. It's like one of those shows where like, it makes me end up feeling really weird. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm a little sick. Um, sick? Oh. Yeah. Um, I'm good. Uh, I got it all out of my system tonight. Listen, it was a really bad episode of Raw. I really hope they come back on Sunday. I hope, I hope this is a kick-ass pay-per-view on Sunday. I hope that everyone has a phenomenal night. I hope we get no bullshit finishes. I would love that. Believe well, me, I would. The thing is, is like when they're just simply left to like having matches, you know, if we get con- conclusive endings, like they do often deliver, you know, payback nobody was really looking forward to. And that ended up being one of the better shows that they've done this entire year. So I don't discount like that bell to bell. These could be good. Uh, but man, skip all the TV. Well, folks, we will be back on Tuesday. Don't skip our shows. We've got Ask Away coming up Tuesday night. The Mailbag Show will be going through all of those. You can get in your last-minute questions, forum.postwrestling.com in the Ask Away thread. Uh, submit those by Tuesday afternoon, and then we will, uh, well, Tuesday morning. You should have them in by. And then Wednesday, we'll be back with Rewinded Dynamite. I guess, uh, are you going to watch this late-night Dynamite? Yes, I am. Yeah, we'll probably talk about it on Wednesday. We'll, we'll, we'll go through it real quick. Yeah. Um, we'll see if there's anything notable coming out of it. That is all for us. Thank you for listening, everybody. And have a great day. And don't forget that on Monday, September 21st, Akira Tozawa was eaten by a goddamn shark.